Hey family, welcome to the Hands Up, Don't Shoot podcast, where I, your host, Ashley France Howell, tell the stories of black victims of police brutality. You can always support the show and help me tell these stories by telling a friend to tell a friend and by going to www.buymeacoffee.com slash hudspod. Welcome to episode 16. Today, I'm going to tell you the stories of Taisha Miller and William Green. Taisha Shanae Miller was born on March 9, 1979 in Rubido, California, which is a small community in Riverside County, California. Her mother's name was Delmer Miller, and there isn't any information about her father. Delma suffered from epileptic seizures and struggled to raise Taisha, so Taisha was actually raised by her grandmother, Maniola Butler, and her aunt, Gwendolina Butler. Taisha's family said that she was a free-spirited child who lived in a carefree state of mind. In middle school, she played softball and enjoyed spending time with her friends. And in high school, she spent time with her friends and attended parties on weekends. Taisha and her group of friends got into fights to stave off the boredom of the small town. And there was one fight in particular that happened in January of 1998. It resulted in Taisha's arrest and she was placed on probation for two years. Taisha ended up dropping out of high school and looking for work to help support her family. She wanted to try to make her way out of her small town, so she started attending night school and she even considered joining the military to follow in the footsteps of a close cousin. She had actually considered him a father figure. But her dreams were shattered just like the glass before her life ended. On December 28, 1998, Taisha borrowed her aunt's car and went to hang out and drink with her friends. It was starting to get late and Taisha's aunt kept trying to get in touch with her to bring the car back, but she couldn't get in touch with her. Eventually, Taisha started taking her friends home and she was almost done when she realized she had a flat tire. Her friend Tanisha Holly was still with her, so they decided to pull into a local gas station where they received help from a man named Michael Horan. He helped take the flat tire off and put the spare one on, but then they realized that the spare was also flat. So since Tanisha lived so close, she asked Michael if he would take her home to get some help. Now y'all. The city girl in me was like, why is she getting a ride from a stranger? (laughs) But then I had to remember that they are in a small town where everyone probably knows everyone and their six degrees of separation is probably closer to two. 
Anywho, not long after they left, Tanisha came back with a family member and word about the flat tire must have made it to Tanisha's family because her cousin and uncle showed up to the gas station as well. Just before about 2 a.m., police received a call from Taisha's cousin, Antoinette Joyner, about Taisha, who they believed was unconscious or sleeping. Something was going on, and she was in the car with a handgun in her lap. They tried banging on the window to wake her up. Mind you, the car door is locked, and they can't get in. Antoinette told the police to come to the Unical 76 station on Brockton and Central Avenue in Riverside. Taisha's car was idling and both the heat and the music were blasting. And it was also reported that Taisha was shaking and foaming at the mouth. So Antoinette's calls to 911 was in hopes of having an ambulance come to help Taisha. But shortly after the call, only police arrived. They tried waking Taisha up. They were banging on the window as well, but they were unsuccessful. So they then planned to break the windows, grab the gun, and remove her from the vehicle. According to the Oxford African American Studies Center, this is what happened. Quote, the officer's arrangement outside the car has been speculative. However, the officers admit that they tasked one of their four personnel to break the car window while the other three officers stood guard, as in watching Miller's behaviors in the car. While one officer proceeded to break her window, Another fired a shot toward the car, initiating an onslaught of bullets from all four officers at Miller. The initial shot fired flew past the head of the officer who broke the window. As he fell to the ground, assuming he had been shot, he proceeded to withdraw his weapon in motion and fire as well. A total of 24 shots were fired while 12 bullets riddled Miller's 19-year-old girlish frame and rendered her lifeless. One officer approaching the vehicle claimed, as another was breaking the window while she was asleep, that she sat up and reached for her gun sitting in her lap. So he responded with fire, and the other officers followed suit. End quote. This incident sort of reminds me of Stephanie Washington's case, which was in episode 11, where one of the officers fired his weapon and the other officer reported that he thought it came from the car that Stephanie was in. So he, quote unquote, shot back. And it was actually discovered later on that Taisha's gun couldn't even be fired because a pen had slipped. Taisha was 19 years old. The four officers whom the police would not initially identify were placed on administrative leave until an investigation was completed. 
They were Officer Mike Alagna, Officer Daniel Hotard, Officer Wayne Stewart, and Officer Paul Buger. Two of the officers were on the force for less than five years at the time. They were ultimately fired, but the Justice Department determined that there was insufficient evidence to prosecute them. Two of the officers appealed the termination decision, and after a few years, one of them was actually reinstated by a Riverside County Superior Court. Taisha's family filed a civil lawsuit against the Riverside Police Department, along with five individual officers, but a $3 million settlement was reached instead. And that family was the story of Taisha Miller. Now, here's the story of William Green. William Howard Green was born on May 16, 1976, in Washington, D.C. His parents' names are Brenda F. Green and Michael Howard Shelton. He had two brothers, Ronald and Michael Green. William and his family moved to Maryland, where he attended Potomac High School in Glass Manor, which is a neighborhood in Oxon Hill, Maryland. William had two children named William Little and Brenda Green. His family had nothing but good things to say about him. They talked about his excellent barbecue and handyman skills, saying he could fix just about anything around the house. He was described as, quote, peaceful, non-confrontational, and full of love for his family and friends. William talked to his daughter every day. He wanted to make sure that he told her to have a good day. And this sort of resonated with me because I talk to my mom every day, and it's usually at least twice a day. William's son described him as the glue that held their family together. He was working as a luggage loader for a megabus for about a month before his death, and he was already looking at an upcoming promotion. He was even planning a cruise with one of his cousins. On January 27, 2020, William had been pulled over because he was suspected of driving under the influence. It was said that he had hit several cars, so Prince George's County police officers responded to the reports that came in through dispatch. Corporal Michael Owen was waiting for another officer to arrive to evaluate William to see if he was taking any types of drugs or anything. And while he was waiting, he handcuffed William and placed him in the patrol car. Again, William is handcuffed with his hands behind his back in the patrol car. So, Corporal Owen said that William tried to get control of his gun and there was some sort of scuffle which ended with him having to shoot William seven times. Again, William has his hands handcuffed behind his back 
and he supposedly tried getting Corporal Owen's gun. And I am no expert by any means, but that does sound very suspicious to me. Corporal Owen and another officer tried performing CPR until the ambulance arrived. William was taken to United Medical Center, but he died not long after arriving. William was 43 years old. Like I mentioned before, Corporal Owen mentioned that there was some sort of struggle that led him to shooting William. But after a review of what happened, investigators had concluded that, quote, there was no plausible explanation for how Mr. Green could have attempted to control the gun of Corporal Owen, end quote. Less than 24 hours after William's death, Corporal Owen was charged with second-degree murder. He was suspended without pay, and he was also charged with voluntary and involuntary manslaughter, first-degree assault, and use of a firearm to commit a violent crime. Corporal Owen's trial was scheduled to start on March 22nd, 2021, but of course with COVID, um, I'm pretty sure that was put on hold, so hopefully we hear something about that soon. As always, if there are any updates that come in, I will definitely be sure to let you guys know. I'm actually pretty curious about what the results of this trial would be because Corporal Owen does not have, I guess, a clean history when it comes to use of violence. So there was one article I read that said, quote, Earlier this month, the Washington Post reported that police department's early warning system flagged Owen months before he shot Green. Owen triggered the system by using force twice in quick succession last summer, but his supervisors had not been formally notified until January and did not act before Owen killed Green, the newspaper reported. Owen was involved in at least two other shootings. In 2011, he fatally shot a man who pointed a gun at him after Owen left an event at police headquarters, the department said. Owen was placed on administrative leave after that killing. In 2009, Owen was off duty when someone tried to rob him outside his home, the Post reported. Police officials said that the would-be robber fired, but Owen was not hit and returned fire. The assailant fled, according to police. It seems like this guy has (laughs) the worst of luck or he just seems to be getting in sticky situations. So I'm wondering if that information will be brought up in the trial whenever that happens. In September of 2020, 
a $20 million settlement was reached in Prince George's County for William's family. His daughter wants to use the money to preserve her father's legacy and to, quote, combat the evil of police brutality, end quote. And that family was the story of William Green. Thank you so much for listening. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for Hudspod. You can check out my website at www.hudspot.com. And you can support the show at buymeacoffee.com slash Hudspot. Remember, Hudspot is spelled H-U-D-S-P-O-D. Don't forget to subscribe to make sure you get the latest episodes. And if you don't mind, please leave me a five-star review. Stay safe, and I'll see you next week.